Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we all are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John, Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two, and we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli watch one episode of Buffy a week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Welcome to Buffy Virgin, a spoiler-free Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. We're staying dry and watching Season 6, Episode 4, Flooded. Uh, I am your host, cartoonist Dennis St. John. We have with us this week special guest returning, David the, the Awesome Yoder. Yeah, two times in a row. Are you guys sick of me yet? <laughs> no, we love you. <laughs> I wasn't talking to you, maybe the listeners. <laughs> listeners, let us know. Are you tired of David Yoder? <laughs> that sounds uh, like a good Twitter poll. I could well, take like, uh, enough of I can't get enough of these four nerds, but this fifth nerd. <laughs> uh, why don't, speaking of uh, you four, nor- four nerds, uh, one of the rest of you guys introduce yourselves from highest to lowest elevation from sea level right now. I my name's John. I think I'm pretty high elevation. I'm in the uh, third floor uh, of a Victorian home that is up on a hill. So that's pretty uh, high. Anyway, my name's John. That's where I am up here in the servants' quarters. My name is Michael. I've only seen Buffy up to season six, episode four, and I am on the third floor of a townhome, modern townhome, not Victorian. My name is Travis, and I'm on the second floor of a of a regular modern house. <laughs> uh, in prep for this, I looked up the elevations of the towns that y'all live in. Oh. And uh, John, uh, London is, because I don't know any more details than London for you, uh, 36 you feet elevation. Vancouver, Washington, 171 feet elevation. Portland, Oregon, 50 feet elevation. Bloomington, Indiana, 771 feet elevation. Wow, wow. David. But it feels so win. flat for the most part. <laughs> You're looking down on all of us. <laughs> That's why they call it the flyover states, because you have to like get up really high. <laughs> <to get over. laughs> Can't drive over. Too tall. All right. Uh, so before we get into Flooded, uh, we're going to do reactions to Season 5, Episode 19, Tough Love. Uh, John, why don't you read Anonymous's? Anonymous says, I do listen to you the whole way through, but I have you minimized when I'm on YouTube. Not that I don't enjoy your faces. It's just that I started listening off to your, started off listening to your podcast and imagine you guys looking different. I get cognitive dissonance when I see your real faces, like a book to movie adaptation. It's amazing. <laughs> I really want to know what he thinks. What's, what's, what was the picture in his head? Yeah. So you think are we we're like handsomer are, in the imagination? <laughs> was like the question is: Are we like a made-for-TV adaptation, or are we like the theatrical release adaptation of a book, or are we like the fan-made movie off the book? <laughs> I can kind of relate the to uh, Anonymous or Anonymous. Um, I would listen to the Simpsons commentary tracks, and there is the two showrunners, Al Jean and Mike Reese, and like. Like visually, like then when I saw them talk, like I kind of like flipped like what like the one talking like I imagine is what the other one should have looked like. I don't know. It was a weird, weird thing. So I can understand. 
Uh, Travis, can you read uh, Ren and Nas's comment? Yeah, Ren and Nas uh, writes to us and says, I just want to say in reference to comments read on Tough Love about meaningful critique of the male characters, it is one of my favorite things about your podcast. It is so refreshing and heartening to hear these perspectives reflective in male voices. Thank you. You're welcome. We're happy to about that. Also to clarify, I wasn't upset or bothered by your outrage and intervention, just reflecting on why it sadly is all too familiar for many of us. Thank you. I just, uh, I always appreciate uh, yeah. Ren and Oz's comments. Um, so thanks. Thanks for those. All right. Uh, why don't we get into Flooded and we'll start with a summary for what happened this episode. The Summary. Hey, it's David Yoder here. Uh, I don't actually have a summary for you guys, but I did find these commercials that happened to air during this episode. So check those out. Oh, did you know this place was flooded? Sometimes your plumbing and heating problems are more than plumbing and heating problems, like expertise. Want me to call a plumber? No. You sure? Yes. Got the number. Just call Tito the Amazing. Plumber extraordinaire. For licensed plumbing and heating technicians who are trained at our one-of-a-kind training facility. Expertise, problem solved. Just call Tito the Amazing. Plumber extraordinaire. Okay, so you're telling me I'm broke? Uh, see, this house, just sitting here, doing nothing, um, by itself costs money. So what do we do? So you need the money. So did I. Then I had a great idea. I know how. If you want to pay every bill here, start charging. For what? Slaying vampires. I mean, you're providing a valuable service to the whole community. I say cash in. Now, I'm not saying I'm charging you for saving your life or anything, but let's talk rates. I need the money. That's right. Sisters. Donnie, you're, you're not eating breakfast. Don, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. You ever try mixing parts of every cereal you got in one bowl? Eight different cereals. Ten individual servings. Sweetened and unsweetened cereals a family with children wants. The most important meal of the day. It's unbelievably important. You should eat breakfast at least three times a day. Choose request back. Your best choice either way. Kellogg's bestie. A personal loan is a great place to start. Just talk to our loan specialists. Carl Savitsky, loan officer. Buffy Summers, loan applier for. You can get up to $35,000, and you don't have to borrow against your home. This is my first big loan. Collateral? No problem. No problem. Get your money fast. It's an easy way to cover the expenses you know are coming. No payments till 2000 and infinity. Man, this is perfect. Great. Well, you get a geek, so... Take your pick. Between the three of us, we can pretty much do anything. <laughs> like if you want a spell to make you look super cool to the other demons. More just throwing it out there. Robot girlfriend. I train flying demon monkeys to attack the school play. Cool play, dude. Look at all these fabulous geeks. There's so many. Truly, Lord Jonathan is the wisest of us all. Uh, yeah, long live our noble lord and master. Dude, don't be a geek. All right. Let's do Great Lines. Great Lines. Uh, well, this episode, Giles comes back and he has a great line. Well, I know I'm back in America now. I've been knocked unconscious. <laughs> <laughs> Solid Giles accent there, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds just like him. I like two of, I like two of Willow's lines. Um, she, when she's talking with Giles at, towards the end, she says, I'm not a bad guy. 
I brought Buffy back into this world, and maybe the word you should be looking for is congratulations, when Giles is like yelling at her and calling her a rank amateur and saying she's using powerful magics, and then she says, you're right. The, magic I, the magics I used are very powerful, and I am very powerful. Maybe it's not such a good idea to piss me off. And I was like, Ooh. yes, I'm here for angry, fierce Willow. And uh, Giles sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like uh, we're maybe going to have uh, some diverse opinions about Giles and Willow in this episode. Yeah. All right. Uh, my quote comes from Warren, uh, and it's truly Lord Jonathan is the wisest of us all. And uh can't believe that quote made it past the censors, you know. It's uh pretty uh thank you for that, Yoder. Uh Tiny King. Um I chose uh uh from Buffy uh from the beginning. You should eat breakfast at least three times a day. Uh good total zone zoned out like nonsense talk. Um, and from the middle of like Anya and uh, Xander fighting, Anya yelling, why don't you ask your best friend Spider-Man? <laughs> uh, so funny. Uh, I liked uh, Anya uh, talking to Xander and saying, Captain Logic isn't driving this tugboat. I smell Captain Fear at the wheel. <laughs> She's right. Also, I like the idea that uh, the conversation is a tugboat. <laughs> doesn't have to be a tugboat could be any kind of boat but it's a tugboat yeah what are they hauling deep stuff i don't know <laughs> well i mean just the stuff they can't talk about but yeah their right. engagement or whatever yeah personal issues uh, yeah <laughs> so before we jump into weird notices of trivia i will do the kill count the kill count We got one demon who's beaten to death and then drowned. Uh, one house is smashed, but not totally destroyed. One Giles KO and one bank robbed. Well, the coffee table gets called like DOA or right? Or oh, whatever. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one, one, one vase and one coffee table, right? <laughs> Gone, but not forgotten. Uh, let's do weird noticings and trivia. Weird Noticings. I don't own a house, so I don't know these things, but shouldn't they just be shutting off the water if they're having like that big of a leak down there? Like that seemed like the craziest thing to me in this whole episode (laughs) is like they keep just having running water and like, like, oh, Giles, I'll just go to the sink and get a drink. It's like also like. Is that water like polluted? Like you don't know what what's going on here. Yeah, that was insane. I agree. Like at the at the end when they go back into the basement and fight in it, there's still water flooding it. Yes, <laughs> that's not how you deal with flooding in your house. They're all going to have like mold and like disease, and they'll get electrocuted trying to run the laundry machine down there or something. <laughs> Do you think Tito's trying to take advantage of them somehow? Like. Uh... I no, think, no, well, no. I mean, I think what we found out this episode is like Buffy is going to run away from problems instead of dealing with them sometimes. And yeah. like, she's like, I prefer having water, running water to not. So, 
Think about that water bill, man. (laughs) This is California. That shit's expensive. Well, speaking of bills, I just, the feeling that I get watching Buffy, knowing or seeing everyone kind of getting into her bill situation is just overwhelming. Like, if you ever get into your bills, you're like, I don't, why would I, why would I want to share this with my friends? And there (laughs) they are. All of them know everything about her debt problems, probably contributing to it. Yeah. You know, Taryn Willow living in her house, probably 100%. not paying rent. And it's just like, whoa, guys. <laughs> yeah, Willow uh, being like, oh, this is a lot of money you owe, yeah. Buffy. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, let, let's jump into this now because I feel like we're not going <laughs> to. Oh, sorry. I guess this is. No, a, no, no. Uh, it's let's do, like, like Willow and Tara definitely have been spending Buffy's money while she's been dead. Yeah. And Buffy's that's why she's in such debt. her mom's life insurance. Like, yeah. I mean, in and fairness, they were taking care of Dawn. I think there's yes. like, there, there's that. But they're still living there, and they're just sitting there while Buffy freaks out about her bills, just sort of standing around being like, I, I don't know what you're going to do about this. <laughs> yeah, none, like, of the, we, none of them offer, like, well, I guess, you know, Tara or Willow, like, they could get a job. Like, they don't offer that yeah. as a yeah. solution. Is Willow still going to school? We Like, what what is going on here? <laughs> I think we're, we're supposed to assume she's still taking classes. Yeah. But... Clearly, like, that dorm money, dorm rent money should be going to Buffy. Like, we know explicitly now from this episode, because the uh, bank loan officer is like, you have no income coming in. That means that there's no rent being paid to her. Oh, right. That does, yeah. But it also could just not be declared, right? Like, she could not be declaring it as income, which would probably be smarter for her in this case to, like, avoid taxes. So... I mean, really, like, why can't the magic shop partially subsidize this housing situation? I mean, they all have housing situations, but Anya's well, well, like clearly running a successful magic shop. Can we well, just really, like the, watch, the Watchers Council are really yeah, well? They're the real main villain. Like, there's I can't believe there's no like life insurance policy on the Slayers, like <laughs> for the dependents. There's like a couple. There's a couple things. Like, I just can't believe. I mean, that would be like a pension for the families of the Slayers. Yeah. Uh, right. When they to die. To be fair to the to the magic shop, also like Anya is the only one who's actually like helping Buffy with Working. the bills, like yes. by organizing it for her, which is free labor, you know, uh, mm-hmm. with uh, with one of Anya's skill sets, right? Which True. is like organizing money. And then, yeah. of course, there's the specter of the American medical system. Yep. Because the assumption is that the expenses were so high to, you know, take care of Joyce that that's where all the money went. Right. Regardless of the size of the life insurance policy, which we assume she had on herself. Right. Mm -hmm. Like just especially as a single mom. Come on. You got to look out for your for your girls who uh, has a fatal illness. (laughs) Yeah. And so, yeah, 20 years later, the the commentary on the high price of American health care rings truer now. There are more medical bankruptcies now than there were in 2000 or 2001 when this was made. They better but sell it, that it, furniture it, and make some mortgage payments. <laughs> well, it, it's also a little bit confusing because like there's no money from the art gallery. Like they couldn't liquidate the art gallery. Mm. But well, you're I right. Think Joyce was just an employee there, right? She didn't own the art gallery. I thought it was her art gallery. Uh, I feel like she had to start it up, and yeah, I don't know. I felt like she was really like a partner. Like she, that's what it seemed like. <laughs> well, whatever pieces were in the basement are ruined now. That's all yeah. that I know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was, that was my retirement art. <laughs> it's like if you have a comic collection in the basement and then it gets flooded like that, that'd be terrible. Didn't Joyce have any jewelry or anything like that? Do you think there's any sort of witchy thing to turn, you know, do you think that Willow and Tara could have done some spells to get all the bills, like, 
forgiven. Yeah, we you know, know that I mean? alchemy exists, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 we do. And there are levels of alchemy, right? Or there's level of witches, right? That's what they're... Yeah, there's witch levels. Certainly a high witch level means you can be an alchemist, right? Certainly if you bring someone back from the dead, you could do some alchemy. Or like a, forget a forgetful spell to erase her debts. I love <laughs> like, the idea that doing magic is more like reasonable or like rational than uh, just Willow getting a job. <laughs> <laughs> well, it oh, seems yeah. more likely at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Willow's not going to get a job. <laughs> Or trick the loan officer, right? Like some kind of spell that makes him want to give her a loan. But I guess this show is like, you know, has really a strong, like a sharp line as far as monster world, human world. So Right. Yeah. If they did that, Buffy and Willow would be criminals in the world of Buffy, right? They might do that on Angel, though, but not yeah. in Buffy. <laughs> Unless they start Buffy investigations and charge on a case-by-case basis, which... I mean, it was amazing that they basically suggested that premise. <laughs> yeah. I I feel like it's ridiculous everybody got so upset with Anya for that because it's oh, like yeah. this isn't like an unprecedented idea. It's literally what Angel has been doing for like <laughs> two and a half seasons now. Like, everybody is and just like, oh, I roll at, it. at Anya. Like, and it doesn't even really work. I mean, it's like don't even like flip out. You know, you just say you're charging people, but really, really probably no one pays. I mean, if Angel picks up the phone, they don't have to, no one gets charged. They yeah. really just have to protect him from the customer. Yeah, he's, he, they just need to undo his, unplug his phone jack, right, in his office. Although, yeah, that's complicated. But also, I love, I love like Chaos Buffy, who's like, you've got, they're like, they're like, you've got all these bills. And she's like, what are these pieces of paper sent from people we've never met? Like, <laughs> she is like, I mean, we talk about Chaos Riley being great, but Chaos Buffy's like, let's burn this place to the ground and collect the insurance yeah. money. Like, <laughs> her perspective after being resurrected is amazing. It's like, like modern, like this, this modern can, like idea of debt and, you know, all this stuff after I've saved the world a bunch of times is bullshit. It's like, I'm not going to worry about it, which is yeah. great. Like, it's a amazing, like, just kind of chaos. Yeah. I, that, I love that scene. I love any time where like one character is just operating with a different level of energy mm -hmm. than everybody mm -hmm. else. Everyone else is like, this is somber and serious. And she's like, I've been dead for three months and now you want me to care about this. Like, I'm just <laughs> going to be making jokes. Yeah. And also like, you know, Buffy is a very smart woman, but like there's like five or six people who have had three months to figure out the bills and they've done jack all on it. I mean, they're just, they're just terrible. It's like, Buffy's solution is actually a solution. They haven't offered any solutions, but burning everything to the ground and collecting the insurance money <laughs> is a solution. <laughs> also, maybe just resurrect Joyce and have her deal with it, right? Like, <laughs> is that a prediction, that. Michael? Yeah, we always talked about the emotional reasons to resurrect Joyce. We never talked about the financial issues of it. <laughs> uh, Yoder? You know, as Anya suggests that she should charge people for the services... Then they bring up Spider-Man and say Spider-Man doesn't charge people, but he does. Peter Parker pays the bills by taking photos of Spider-Man, I would say. so. Uh, True. <laughs> so maybe, I don't know, uh, there, YouTube doesn't exist in the time when Buffy is on right now, but she, she could be writing uh, a blog or something. Maybe <laughs> make oh money. my God. Save me from like Slayer influencer culture. <laughs> God. 
Hey guys, these are the I'm spikes just, uh, that I use. Out of patrol again. That I, use. <laughs> I just, oh I just got sent. Uh, I just got sent some steaks from TinyFences.com. Yeah, unboxing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love the quality of these steaks. They're just the right size. They're very. They're well sharpened. But no, no, no splinters. I could really use these in a pinch. Um, you can use my my code. What is it? Slayer Slayer ninety eight or whatever. What would her code be? Slayer Fest ninety eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a monthly uh, subscription service of, you know, different kinds of steaks and things for for the Slayer on the go. Uh, This episode has yet more reminders how much of a Xander is like is a dick for not uh, announcing the engagement. I can't believe this game is still going on four episodes now. (laughs) (laughs) This is a running gag of the most ridiculous proportions at this point. They're waiting for the right moment to announce their engagement. This feels like a problem I didn't experience because I did not get engaged in my early 20s. But uh, I just can't imagine the the imaginary pressure they're both experiencing right now, which is absurd. Uh, but yeah, Xander's a dick. I can't believe he's still doing this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. If you're ready to get engaged, you're ready to announce it, right? The move Anya should do is just start wearing the ring until people ask about it. Like, that's that's how you out it. Like, don't rely on Xander to, like be the one to tell everyone just fucking put on that ring and that seems like a great way to start your marriage with uh not agreeing on the basic system i don't know i'm it's just like there's stupid tv trope things of like oh we have to keep this a secret like i i like i i I hate when you have to try to keep track of like multiple secrets going on in a show Um, i guess there are two secrets this season that we're dealing with yeah and it just didn't seem like buffy used to be this kind of show where that was part of the you know the dynamic i guess yeah i don't like managing multiple secrets that 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 could even like have a count like how many secrets are we currently dealing with yeah um, and like because we did do go like a month between episodes i was like wait does <laughs> michael know that buffy wasn't in hell like <laughs> I have to <laughs> oh right you have to keep your secrets straight in additional there's that meta level of secrets yeah uh, must be really tough guys yeah i guess we already kind of talked through this but where's dad couldn't he help with the cash as well i mean i know it's risky to reach out to dad but he probably knows a little bit more about your own finances than you do uh maybe not actually anya might know more but dad could definitely help out uh you know maybe send a check every now and then <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well, unless dad doesn't exist because Don does. And, and this is another. Pro- yeah. <clears throat> and this is another problem with this show, which is a, more of an indictment about American culture, which is, you know, asking for help. Like Buffy doesn't have the muscle or neither or neither do her friends to literally just ask the world for help. Right. Like Buffy reaching out to dad would be asking for help. And like you can't do that in our system. I mean, we see it happen all the time, you know, at least lately. I feel like I've given to three Indiegogo campaigns for various medical problems people have had because our medical system bankrupts people. But like, you know, that's people who have asked for help. And like if everyone asked for help, I would try to donate if I could. But you just have to let people know that you need help. And we just Mm. we have such a guarded system that doesn't want that implies it's shame. And that if you ask for help, that it's your last time you can ask for help. And like, are you cashing in all the goodwill you've ever had? Like. You're absolutely not. In fact, if I give money, I'm way more invested in you and your success and all that. Hmm. Anyway, that total aside. Sorry. And then uh, speaking of medical help, uh, that super punch in the bank. (laughs) (laughs) Holy crap. That was like After Effects 05 or something. That was amazing. (laughs) 
Yeah, I like there's just that like one second pause between when she's <laughs> up in the air and when she lands that like. <laughs> Did she go through the bigger. roof? Like, what's the implication? There? <laughs> <laughs> Tall ceilings at this bank. <laughs> yeah. It was so goofy. I mean, it was like not as extreme as some of the punches in the Superman movie, like the, you know, the Snyder Superman. But like, <laughs> gosh darn it. That was just crazy. She should like have her neck broke. <laughs> Uh, the demon who punched her, uh, the M. Fashnik, as we later learn, um, has a very weird look. Uh, just that satin shirt he's wearing is like something strange. Um, but he's also he's played by Todd Stashwick, who played uh, the demon Voka on Angel. He's the demon um, at the end of season one who wrecked Angel's life. And like, you know, the super chin. The one that had that stupid mask that looked terrible and then had a rotting face. That same actor. Um, Thank you. There's your little demon corner. <laughs> okay, so my my nerdiness is if you watch the episode around 1638, 16 minutes, 38 seconds to 16 minutes, 40 seconds and the in, into the episode on Hulu, at least. Um, when Don is talking about the, the, the demon book and talking about, oh, that's a strange place for a horn. And um, uh, Tara is like slightly out of focus, but she breaks and she starts smiling because she gets the joke. And then she has to quickly <laughs> recompose her face. And then like not, and then she becomes in focus again. So if you get a chance, like there's this really great moment where Tara breaks. Um, and they, that's the only cut they had, I'm sure. So they couldn't, they must not have noticed it when they were filming. I didn't notice while watching. So yeah. I mean, yeah, me neither. <laughs> I feel like it could have been an in-character break too. Like, mm. you know, it, it, it could have been, but I don't know why she did like, she like recomposed really quick. So it felt like an accident. That's all I'm saying. Uh, so speaking of this in book, book, uh, what happens <clears throat> is, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Dawn is flipping through it. She sees, um, oh, that's not a horn. And then she flips further through the same book and finds the picture of the Mfashnik. Uh She holds it up to the screen <laughs> to where you can, you can read every uh, word on that page. So uh, thanks to Google Books, I found that the text there is actually from uh, this book called Witchcraft, Magic, and Alchemy, which is a, a history of the occult written by... Uh, Wemil Griot de Givry, I'm saying his name wrong, uh, a Frenchman. He wrote this book in the 1930s as a history of the occult. And what they did for this prop is they uh, they took his book, they took out one of his engravings and put in the picture of the Mfashnik. Um, but what's kind of cool about this is so that if you go back, you, you can actually freeze frame and see the engraving, very small and blurry, but you can see the engraving that Dawn was looking at earlier when she saw the picture uh, that wasn't a horn. And then you can flip back through the original book and find the engraving she was looking at. And the engraving she was looking at uh, is credited to, in the book, to Lucas Cranach. It's titled The Antichrist. And uh, if you look down in the uh, documents, uh, number four there, it's, uh, that's the engraving as it appears in um, Witchcraft, Magic, and Alchemy. Um, that engraving has also variously sometimes credited to uh, someone else, to Michael Volgemuth, um, and I have a higher quality color version of it down there at the uh, number five. 
Um, but both of these uh, engravings were um, sort of like anti-Catholic uh, propaganda. Uh, they were Lutheran stuff uh, from the 15th century. Um, and the Antichrist that uh, it's referring to is supposed to be the Pope. <laughs> so she's actually looking at uh, anti-Catholic propaganda when she uh, sees the thing that doesn't happen. It's pretty intense, actually. There are some demons in there. Yeah. I don't know if there's penises, but um, there are things that look like horns. That is a strange place for a horn. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like demon. I always like demons with uh, faces on their stomachs. John, you have to put this into a blog post. This is incredible looking. <laughs> I love this research. I mean, for yeah, you know listeners who can't see this illustration, you really, you know, I hope this gets up on the blog because this is fantastic. I mean, it's so hard to comprehend what's going on, but it is multiple demons. Yeah, they're sort of in, in the like, sky and there's like, I think that's the Pope in the middle. Yeah. Like, and I don't know if he's supposed to be having sex with the demons or like fighting. Uh, I don't know. It's intense. Yeah, it could be sex or fighting. I mean, it's tough. <laughs> it's all the same with demons, baby. <laughs> it's a good prop. Yeah. Either way, the Pope's into it. Yeah, that'd be a sick tattoo, though. That's a full back tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> John, thank you as always for your intense research. <laughs> oh, yeah. So Giles is back. Hey, Woo! that's amazing. Yeah. And you know what? They achieve the rare thing that is so wonderful in this show where they get me to emotionally respond to things by showing Giles and Buffy kind of like having this brief reunite. Re they're reuniting briefly, and it's so beautiful. Wait, it's rare for this show or rare for your life for you to have an emotional response? I mean, both. I guess <laughs> for the show, I mean, it's not every episode that like kind of does a thing for me. So that was really special. And so I rewatched this episode a couple of times. Both times. Not Giles and Buffy. full range of human emotions? <laughs> I experienced the full range. Uh, yeah, it was really lovely. And of course, you know, they this, this feeling um, gets drawn out and discussed in detail in this episode. But that was really special. Yeah. Uh, during their brief little recap, Giles mentions almost making a new friend. And that's just one of those like, well, here's a thread that like you can pull on and goes nowhere. <laughs> like, yeah, it definitely <laughs> feels the set like a part of a setup for a story that we never hear. <laughs> it's just to relate to when you're, you're feeling older, I guess. Yeah, I, th I mean, I think at this time they were talking about doing um, like a a Giles spinoff. And it's kind of part of a setup for that. And that never happened. Right. Right. <laughs> Do we have oh, any the, scripts from the Giles spinoff from the Ripper show? Whatever. Oh, I don't know. Not that. I mean, we don't. I don't know if there are any any are out. That'd be good to look into. I like the idea of uh, Giles fighting demons. He says in Bath, which is kind of a, a funny thing. That's not a very exciting place. <laughs> is it the Sunnydale of England? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I've never actually been there, but uh, it's the, it, I don't think it's. I don't think it's the exciting. Canterbury's Tales start. Well, there's the or wife of Bath, right? Because that's one of the Canterbury Tales. Yeah, I don't Bob's know. Uh, then after uh, our old friend Giles shows up, another old friend shows up. Oh, my gosh, Jonathan. That was so incredible to see Jonathan. And it's such a funky surprise. Like, I look, I saw Yoder was going to be a guest on this episode. All right. So that's a clue. <laughs> Something is afoot. But it doesn't mean Jonathan every time. But yes, it does. <laughs> so that jo the Jonathan like appearance is such a wonderful surprise, but also demented. I mean, it. It's such an interesting meta commentary immediately on this show, like the way that whole scene plays out. So I hope we discuss this scene a little bit. But mm -hmm. I was just so excited to see Jonathan, but also like, what? Why? 
Why, Jonathan? <laughs> also, who are these jerks? Oh, wait, it's these jerks. And like they call them out, right? Because it's like our bot bot builder and our, you know, hell dog, whatever, like a manipulator. Hey, that was his older brother. Yeah, Tucker. <laughs> um, it's hard to find people to play D&D with sometimes, you know, you got to take what you can get. <laughs> can you imagine playing D&D, Dungeons and Dragons, if you've actually encountered like real life demons and stuff and like it's got to be like really kind of like hollow like i feel like you would like really change the game mechanics if you knew that there were real demons and like real stuff do demons play humans in hallways <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry that was good out. actually uh here i'll put this in here i found the uh if you guys see that link i found the exact D D set that uh, they're playing there. Nice. Uh, this is, uh, I believe it's third edition. Uh, Michael, you can confirm that for me. I, I don't really know much about D&D, but it's this specific uh, third edition set called The Adventure Begins Here. Uh, it's sort of a beginner's set. Dude, all this stuff looks fun. <laughs> <laughs> so Jonathan and Warren, we've seen before. We obviously have a long history with Jonathan and Warren we know from season five. Uh, but Andrew is new. Um, he's the brother of Tucker, who we met back in season three. Uh, but the actor is not new to Buffy. Tom Lank played uh, a vampire who is a member of Harmony's gang in oh, the second right. episode of season five. That's right. So this is his second appearance. My understanding was that they wanted this character to be Tucker, but they couldn't get that actor. Is that right? Yeah. And that's why they created this brother character? Yeah, it is true. Yeah, the actor who played Tucker... Um, is the is a singing the singing voice for Aladdin, and I think uh, has more of a like a musical career than an acting career, from what I understand. Wow, I didn't get any of that from this scene. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the demon comes back from the the bank job, whatever it was, and he's demanding his payment, which he says is Buffy's head, but like. That wasn't really, I don't, it doesn't seem like that was established before they went into the job, but, uh, I was kind of surprised Warren didn't just have like a spare, like, like prototype Buffy bot head that he could like, you know, give the demon to be done with him or something. Yeah. The, the, the Mfashnik's, uh, position in this negotiation is inconsistent and illogical, which is fine. He's a demon, but like he, cause at first he's like angry. He's like, you pitted me against the slayer. And then later he's like, here's the slayer's address. You go kill her. And he's like, great. Yeah. So it doesn't make a lot of sense, but what, you know, how are you going to reason with an Mfashnik? <laughs> I don't know if you guys caught, but I caught it on the second watch through that. Like they show hands grabbing the money out of the bank but they don't show who it is. So I'm pretty yeah. sure the guys, like, they were there at the bank robbery. They just got away without being seen. So that was kind of interesting. But. Yeah, the demon was just a distraction for their right. robbery. I mean, it worked. It was great. I mean, everyone, you know, high fives all around. We're about to jump into some Giles stuff. Uh, but, I just, like, I get why Buffy feels like she can't tell Willow or any, anyone else. But, like... Like every time I watch this episode, I really wish she would confide in Giles about like that she wasn't in hell, you know. Right. Um, I just wish that happened, and it doesn't. Uh. Yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense if you think about. Maybe I'm jumping ahead to some deep stuff here, but I I think Buffy's whole thing is she can't tell people who care about her because yeah, 
Buffy doesn't, she's in this kind of headspace, this kind of depressed headspace where she doesn't care about her own happiness because she doesn't have access to feelings, but she does weirdly care that other people will be worried about her. Um, and so it's sort of because it would make Giles upset that she doesn't tell him, I think. So it makes a kind of sense, but I agree with yeah. you. Like, I mean, yeah, I'm not saying like this is a flaw in the episode. I'm just yeah. saying it's an emotional thing I wish would happen. Yeah, like, agree. Uh, yeah, I feel like uh, Travis and Mike and the rest of us maybe have very different opinions about what happens next. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll let the pro Giles group present. For you. <laughs> Oh, right, because this is an argument with so clear winners and losers. So you can have the last word, Travis? Is that what you mean? I can have the first word or the last word, but it's going to be the best word in the <laughs> way, brother. I'm just kidding. Okay, I'll go. I'll go. So, I mean, let's just think, let's just think, first off, you know, I agree with what John said about Buffy not telling. But also, let's also objectively think here. Here's a guy who is your watcher, watches you die, and then he cuts town. Right. When you still have a baby sister to be taken care of, no money coming in. Right. Mounting debt. And so I wouldn't tell that guy, you know, I wouldn't I would only tell that guy to get lost again. Yeah. Oh, so you left right after I died and didn't take care of my kid's sister. OK, well, thanks a lot. Secondly, Giles acts extremely condescendingly towards Willow, extremely calling her a rank amateur. And let me tell you one thing. Guys who skip town don't get to have an opinion about stuff that happens once they skip town. That's my opinion. I'm a guy, too, but I'm just saying anyone, man, woman, skips town, don't come at me with what you would have done. Because guess what? You weren't effing around, brother. <laughs> this seems like a Maury Povich episode all of a sudden. <laughs> Hold up. Let me get the mic for one second. Can I finish? Can I can finish? I, can I finish? Can I finish? Uh, so Giles, like, he doesn't, you know, like, you know that Willow deliberately held, like, withheld the magic spell. Like, she didn't share that. And Giles was around while she was working on that spell, right? Like, she's working on some evil shit, and she doesn't include anyone who she knows will try and stop her. And that includes Giles. So Giles wouldn't have had information or knowledge that she was planning to resurrect Buffy. Um, I don't, I'm not clear on the relationship between Giles as a father figure to Don as being any kind of real responsibility. There's certainly no legal responsibility. He's not connected to that family in a legal way. What you're talking about is like what would be decent or good behavior, but it's not, there's no legal obligation. It's moral. It's come. It's a moral obligation. He, he, in many ways, is her father figure. He protects Don, and he just skips town. All right, my watch is dead. Or my, my, my slayer's dead. My watch is over. Yeah. I, I, I don't think, England. I mean, I don't think he has any legal it's responsibility. A, it, it's a huge... I feel, can, can I just uh, be a little bit <laughs> yeah. of a, a regulator here? Is like, you guys are arguing about, about Don right now. But to me, the issue is Willow right. and the resurrection. So let's stay on that topic. Now continue. Oh. <laughs> I, I love this scene because I like Willow getting confronted because she never gets confronted because she's always yeah. so good. And even when Tara confronts her, Tara doesn't have the like strength to counter Willow. She can basically, she basically like, look, I'm, I'm not so smart as you. I'm not going to be able to convince you of anything. Willow does, just does what she wants. But 
Giles is someone that Willow really looks up to and like is a, like a mentor father figure for the whole gang, of course. But like that really hurts her and she gets so defensive so fast. And I love that because I recognize that in myself. I recognize that defensive character so much, mm-hmm. which is the like, oh, well, actually, I did what I did was pretty amazing. If you think about it, <laughs> um, I, I just love that whole scene because she does need to be uh, like confronted about that issue. And, no, and everyone's kind of like skittering around it as far as the resurrection, and what that means. Like it should be a good thing. Right. And we hint at the meaning of that. And it was great to just have that like finally set, you know, said to her in like a in a confrontational way. And the fact that Giles just walks away, he's like, you know, he can't win this conversation like there's no nothing to win it's like you did something that's bad <laughs> uh it doesn't get to be good again because you tricked me into with words <laughs> like it's always bad i i like that a lot uh and it felt like a really uh a really real confrontation really enjoyed it yeah i i, I actually i kind of see both sides of this i feel like you know i agree with you michael i think it's really way overdue that somebody confronts willow because Willow is has long been like uh, the smartest and least mature uh, in the group, but then like uh, on the other hand, Travis, I think you're right. Giles, as like unfortunately, it's a shit position to be in to be the adult in the room, to be the only adult in like a friend group of a bunch of 19 year olds. That's got to be horrible because it's so much responsibility. But then if you walk out on it, you can't go back and yell at everybody. Uh, you know, yelling at Willow like he knew what Willow was going to do. He, like, if you know Willow, <laughs> I feel like this was almost predictable. You think Giles is head in sanding about the about what Willow was going to do? I mean, I think it's in general. Like, I mean, like like Travis is saying, you know, just leaving this like fourteen uh, year old girl in the custody of a bunch of kids who you know are like not going to avail themselves of social services. <laughs> That's true. Like that seems super irresponsible and ridiculous now that I think about it. Uh, and then to come back and be like, you know, you shouldn't have done this thing that actually I'm kind of glad turned out really well. It does yeah, feel I, it does feel like uh, he's got himself to blame to some degree. Yeah, I do feel like there's this weird thing that happened, kind of a little bit season five, but very distinctly season six where. The characters basically should have jumped ahead in age, and they didn't. Yeah. Like, because yeah. the show lost interest in, you know, it's like we've been playing adolescence for so long. Like, let's now do real life, adult life as hell instead. And the characters are still 20. The actors look like they're in their late 20s, because they are, or even 30s. Um, and the things they're dealing with now are more, like, and some people in their 20s do have to deal with this stuff, but they're more typically older stuff so it, it almost feels like some, a thing the show should have done and be like four years later yeah but they can't do that like that structure doesn't exist yet for shows counterpoint right. counterpoint <laughs> i mean i have to say that giles was very much in mansplain mode like i i back in back 20 years ago i wouldn't have understood that mansplain phrase but he's telling her about how dangerous things are, how she's an amateur, how she doesn't want to meet the people who can do what she does. I mean, it's very much like, let me explain to you what you did and why you did it was wrong. Um, and it's not that, the thing with the Giles is, he, 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 he really reprimands her, um, but the message is mixed. Someone, you know, someone should be like, these are very dangerous magics, Willow. 
Right. But his, the way, the way he, he comes at Willow is like, you're an amateur. You don't know what you're doing. And these magics are very dangerous. So the, like the, what I get the, when the message from Giles is like, you shouldn't have done this because you're too mature and you, you can't handle the power and, and it's bad, but not like, Hey, you're really powerful now. Can I talk to you about like what to do and what not to do as a powerful witch? Um, like that's a different way to address the issue rather than addressing her as an immature young girl. Hmm. Um, so I, I, that's, I didn't like, I didn't like that the way he was coming at her, but again, you know, I, I, am unchanged. You know, if, if I saw, uh, you know, Giles walk in the door and be like, she'd be like, I would have been like, nice to see you when, when you're going back to England, buddy, you know, I mean, I, I'm cold blooded like that. You know, you, you do, you cross me once. It's like gone, gone. I mean, I would have, that guy would have been gone. I would have kicked that guy out of the house and be like, you left this. Yeah. That's just my opinion. Yeah. I think Giles had a couple of good points, though, um, uh, that, like, the group haven't really, like, latched on to yet just because they're not thinking about it, uh, that he realized, like, we don't know where Buffy was or what she's been through, like, before she came back here. Like, everyone has just been assuming that she went to hell, but, like, Buffy hasn't really said anything, you know, directly about that. I think Giles is the only one that's picked up on that so far. All right. I feel like uh, this topic has been well discussed, guys. Um, good jobs on all sides. No opinions have been changed, but thoughts have been provoked. Uh, like many a debate. Let's hear what the audience has to say when this episode airs. Um, all right. Uh, Yoder? Well, it was uh, Michael's quote that he picked out, but um, right after Don comes down to suggest mixing cereals, uh, Giles gets knocked out by the demon showing up at Buffy's house. And uh, it's just like, yeah, now we're watching Buffy. Giles just got <laughs> knocked out. Okay. That old classic. Uh, all right. Uh, why don't you jump into your fashion corner? You got here. All right. I've got, I guess the next couple points, but uh, Dennis, you've already pointed out uh, the demon shirt, uh, his satin shirt. I, I think I'd change his name to mm, fashion. How about that? <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> What's going on with Don's shirt? It's got like a dreidel on it with a number two or something. It looks kind of like red, yellow, and blue, like a Superman shield. Very confusing. What are you doing, Don? Uh, and then Buffy's skirt, more like a very long dress that she has to alter. Love the alterations. Um, and then Andrew, the nerd uh, in the group uh, that had the attack on the Romeo and Juliet play, I guess. Yeah. Um, Run, Juliet! It took me a while to figure out what his cartoon alien reading a comic book was from. Yeah, like, I was going to ask you about I, that. I was pretty sure it was a Dan Klaus drawing, and I kept doing Google images shirts of, or Google images for like shirts and also drawings of like alien reading a comic book, and I was just like, I couldn't come up with anything. And then I finally realized, like, oh, it's just an eight ball shirt. Like, it's, I think, just like an eight ball logo shirt that he made. Um, and that may be like, something that's actually worth a decent amount of money if it would have stayed in good condition, like as a prop from the show. Let's uh, do another dive into these details of the nerd layer then. And then, uh, yeah, we got our nerd trio. Um, so, uh, Jonathan's setting up the case with all the action figures. Uh, those are like, I think like the first line of McFarland toys is what it looks like. Um, spawn is very clear, but I think you can see some other ones in the background. Um, there's the whiteboard with their like list of plans of, of things. And like one thing that really stood out to me 
watching it and dennis you kind of called out on this on the character's age them like having fake ids on there is like a yeah. goal like it just <laughs> these guys seem so arrested development like what their age is supposed to be like i guess in the show they are 1920 but like if you're 20 are you really like you can't just like find an older friend or something like any um yeah you've held off this long on getting a fake id <laughs> yeah and they're uh, definitely spending a lot of their money on video games, it looks like. Uh, Dennis, you had an observation about that, too. Uh, I John think... answers the questions, but, but I was like, what video game is that? Um, it looks like, yeah, they were playing, like you said, John. Oh, for sure. Not yeah. Goldeneye. Goldeneye. Similar game called The Operative Colon No One Lives Forever. It's another oh. James Bond-inspired uh, FPS from that era. Uh, thanks to the Buffy Wikia for figuring that out. Okay. <laughs> I was more confused by the... Uh, the controller that Warren has at the end looks like a PS2 controller, but it's like wireless, it looks like, maybe. And then he's got that VR helmet, and there's like not really, at that time, like VR games. They built their I own VR. Think. Oh, okay. But they can't make a fake ID. <laughs> Pro Priorities. Just remember yeah. to spell license correctly. <laughs> and to know what your... Uh, birth date is on your fake id i guess and your address probably anyway that's uh that's the main takeaways from their nerd layer they also uh if you look really carefully they have two identical unopened uh sets of koosh paddles remember koosh balls and those little like (laughs) ping pong paddles that were like stretchy they have two unopened box sets of those and uh they also um the periscope that warren pulls down apparently this is also from the, the buffy wiki this is not my observation um, it says something on it in Russian, and if you look at the Cyrillic letters, apparently if you read this out phonetically, it spells geek. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that also, but it also is you at what happens if you type USSR on a Cyrillic keyboard? You get those like if you miss, yeah. Hmm. So, who knows? All right, that is some good uh, noticings and trivia. So let's move on to questions for the group. Questions for the group. Okay, I guess I have the first one of these. Um, I think we discussed this a little bit already, but how would or should Buffy go about charging for slaying? And also, why can't she? Yeah, why can't she? Honestly, (laughs) it seems fine to me. Um, I think you do it uh, via like an invoice system after the fact. And what if they don't pay it? Are you going to unsave them? Uh, that's when you, you know, you got your own muscle. You got your own enforcement. <laughs> you know what she should do is uh, do the Frighteners model, uh, like the Michael J. Fox movie, uh, <laughs> and just have Spike go like attack people and then like. She's like, oh, I heard you have a vampire problem. Like, he doesn't actually do anything to them. But then, oh. and then she gets rid of him and then they pay her. That's my uh, suggestion. My, my suggestion is, a, is like using a mob based protection racket. Like, I think that the businesses in the wharf and the like near the bronze should pay her like a protection fee. Like, you know. I mean, God knows the, God knows the bronze should have her on retainer. I mean, how many times has that place gotten totaled? Like, it's got to be cheaper to pay Buffy. I mean, I guess even with Buffy, that place gets totaled frequently, but... Right, because she could even be, like, running the bouncer, whatever, like, be the bouncer outside, like, just be totally in charge of security for the bronze and all Sunnydale. She should have a security firm. 
that makes sense. Yeah. Do vampires carry cash? Like, I know they live in crypts and things, but uh, maybe she should just rob them before their money gets dusted, you know. And, uh, or if their money falls to the ground, it would be like Scott Pilgrim, where you just, like, pick up the coins after they're defeated, right? But, yeah, it's the video game system of making money. I just got to punch more guys. Technically, if Angel had invested his money better, I think he would have helped her out. That's something I don't get, like vampires being around for like so long and then not having a source of like money. Like what? <laughs> like, like you're just like barely get, you're doing what I'm doing on a week by week basis <laughs> for like hundred years or more. Like what? Yeah, it sounds like a terrible uh, eternity. Um, Think ahead. Like, come on. Listen, they don't all start <laughs> off as counts. <laughs> Oh, like, yeah, from Sesame Street? <laughs> I was thinking Dracula. Oh, oh okay. Yes, Sesame Street, too. <laughs> yeah, so many of these vampires look like they have their shit together, but that's just inherited wealth. They don't know shit about shit. Yeah. Have you guys watched any of the Netflix Dracula series? No. I just finished yeah. that this week. There's kind of, to do a little bit of a spoiler thing, there's a kind of funny thing. In the third episode, they jump ahead to, like, present time. And Dracula's had the same law firm on retainer for like 200 years. Uh, like, well, technically it's not illegal to be this old. Uh, also, yeah. uh, client, you know, confidentiality, they probably couldn't say anything, right? So, you know, if you got the money, the world opens up for you. Uh, Yoder, I like your next question. Okay, so here's the deal. You just robbed a bank. You're sitting on a pile of cash. You got rid of that demon that's on your back, you know, by having it go fight some neighborhood slayer lady. What are you going to put on your magic dream vision uh, whiteboard of what you want to accomplish next? Mm. Are we going to use the money or are we going to use like our magic powers? The world is your oyster. You can do. So like, is this a similar question to like you, you win the lottery. What do you do? Yeah. Or, it's just like, yeah. Or yeah. is this like, but Where also you go you're from there? like a techno wizard. Rocket Yeah, packs. You're, par- you're part of the nerd crew, uh, which I don't know if they have a better name than that yet. But um, yeah. What would you suggest for the whiteboard? Uh, so my go-to for like the like lottery question is always like, I'd probably start off, start up some sort of like comic publishing, which is not super like <laughs> fantasy, like, like a rocket pack, but... That's probably how I would spend, like, a large sum of money. I mean, I have so many dumb ideas. I mean, this is really overwhelming. <laughs> it's like, start my own airline. Whoa. Uh, reduce um, reduce number of, uh, like, accidents by car. So try to make cars illegal. And then, like, uh, demolish, um, demolish all the wealthy property in the state and replace it with, uh, like, multi, uh, multifamily units. I mean, those are my first three in my world domination board. <laughs> That's pretty good. Make, make cars illegal. Would be, it's really high on the list. I uh, spent a lot of money promoting a fan podcast. <laughs> That's a good idea. Just like buy a Super Bowl ad for Buffy Virgin. Oh so my anyway, God. We're the number one Buffy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> What's up now? Buffering. <laughs> Oh, and then you got to have like live forever question mark just somewhere on there. Yeah. Oh, I'd go on vacation with my family. <laughs> pay, off, pay off my student loans and go on vacation. Then I'll figure things out from there. 
Yeah, travel the world. That seems like a good one. Like, oh. why? They're they're like they're just like let's take over Sunnydale. Like that's such <laughs> like a low bar like goal. It seems like you know it feels like those guys don't need fake IDs. They need fake passports or just like a real passport on that whiteboard. <laughs> they need to think bigger. Yeah, take a year off. There you go. Maybe Warren would just be like, get back to where I was before uh, my robot girlfriend went crazy or whatever. Like, I, like his life seemed okay when he had a human girlfriend and like, you know, he was in college for robotics or whatever it was. And yeah, did he drop out of college? Why? Why he didn't have to drop out of college? He's, He's living with his mom now. It does. It seemed like he was like farther away before, you know, like he came back to Sunnydale. So I don't know. It looked like. That makes no sense. All right. Uh, I think that's all the questions we got. So let's do themes and deep stuff. <laughs> and Deodor. Uh, well, I really kind like J type of stuff. But- <laughs> Yeah, it's just uh, this sh- this episode. It's about debt, money problems. It, it's it's funny. I feel like we've had conversations about like stuff around this a lot in other episodes. Like, uh, especially since um, you know Buffy's mom passed away. So it's just interesting to get the episode where the show finally addresses it. Like, yeah, how are they paying for things? <laughs> you know that that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Does anyone else have anything to add to this or like, we've definitely talked a lot about it during the other segments. Uh, I'm the only other debt to add would be the debt that will need to be repaid because of reviving, you know, Buffy, but that's another kind of debt that will have to be repaid in some way. Um, but that's not specifically addressed, I guess, in this episode. So we're talking more about like literal debt, transactional debt, but I guess themes of responsibility, adult, adulthood and responsibility here uh we're calling out giles for his <laughs> lack of responsibility but i think everyone shares a lot of irresponsibility in this episode i do i do like it i feel like with buffy at the very end of the episode where <laughs> giles is like okay let's just sit down and like work on this for a second before you leave and she's like nope i'm going <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and is is there no actual scene in Angel? Like it, like it seems like it's such setting up of like, hey, watch Angel next. Yeah, but they're on they're on different networks now, so there's like less interaction. It oh, was right. a very weird end to the episode. I felt like <laughs> I, uh, I I looked on the Buffy Wikia, and they said there there's a comic book that deals with the events that take place called Re- Reunion. So there is there's a comic book we could read at some point. Um, it I've, came out in like 2002. Yeah, I've read that comic and it's not super interesting. Um, not great, yeah. And it doesn't actually reveal what happens. What happens yeah. is it's everybody guessing about what happened, oh. which is super oh. weird that like Xander and Willow would be like, I think they, they kissed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? But then what, what happens is every time they start telling this story – a demon attacks and it turns out it's like a story demon that's gotten in their heads and then Buffy has to fight it. But they never reveal what really happens. Weird. I bet what happened was Angel tried to tell her 
this is how I make money. And then Buffy was like, no, I won't do that. I, and we're like, <laughs> <laughs> I bet she told Angel that she was in heaven. That's my so, bet. That seems kind of mean since uh, Angel did go to hell to be like, no, I was in heaven. But, I mean, he's a dude who could relate to coming back and everything. Yeah, I suppose uh, that's true. Yeah, she could probably tell him yeah. the truth. If there's one person in the world, she could tell the truth. If she can tell him. Spike, she can tell Angel. Yeah. Uh, that's been Themes and Deep Stuff. Uh, let's do Recommendations. Recommendations. Um, I recommend the Tom Hanks, Shelley Long movie, The Money Pit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, for those who didn't grow up uh, in the 90s when this was on cable TV every single day, uh, <laughs> they're a young couple who buys uh, a very large expensive looking but cheap house uh and then it turns out to just be falling apart um i feel like buffy could watch this episode this movie right now and really relate uh i also feel like shelly long could be related to buffy they have like similar acting characteristics um she could be you know the aunt that gets mentioned every now and then but never seen uh also because of a flooding basement i am going to recommend the lucio fulci movie the beyond uh, woman inherits uh, a hotel. It's got a flooded basement and also door to hell. Uh, I might have recommended the Beyond before because it does have a door to hell. It's a really good movie. Um, but you know, I was just thinking about flooded basements. So those are my two oh, recs. I could recommend that Gator movie. I haven't seen it. Oh yeah, but it, crawl. Yeah, forget, cr- cr- crawl. Yeah, fr- from uh, last yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, that's a good a Gator one. Movie. I was expecting that flooding. to be yeah. <laughs> flooded basement. Filled with gators. <laughs> yeah, we'll add that one to the list. All right. Uh, why don't we do predictions? Virgin predictions. Okay, Michael, at present. Uh, you have an overall accuracy of 61.88. Your accuracy currently in season six, however, is at a 69.23, presently making season six your uh, second most accurate season ever. Uh, You could possibly catch up to season two's 75%, uh, depending on how this goes. Let's see what happens. In season four, episode 17, you said that people will remember when Jonathan was center of the universe. And there's a moment here where uh, Jonathan makes a reference to it. Yeah. And uh, you'll notice that I believe um, Warren sort of nods and smiles like he knows what he's talking about. So I think that Jonathan remembers and Warren remembers that's people. It's two people. So I think we can go ahead and uh, call that one confirmed. Dennis, what do you think? Yeah, I'll give it to him. It is a very like blatant. I mean, it's a reference. So, yeah. I feel like I arguing it at this point would be just being a dick. So I'll let it go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm amazed at all the acknowledgements and the self-reflection, Dennis. That's great. Uh, okay. Uh, in the same episode, Michael, you predicted that Jonathan would keep the mansion uh, from Superstar. Doesn't seem like Jonathan has kept uh, the mansion. Uh, seems like uh, he has lost the mansion. Uh, oh, my God. 
We don't know for a fact, but I don't think they'd be hanging out in Warren's basement, Warren's mom's basement, if they had the mansion. mansion got flooded. So So I'm going to go ahead and deny that one. So that's one confirmed, one denied so far. Uh, Zooming ahead to season six, episode one, Michael, you predicted that Giles isn't leaving the show in season six. So Giles does come back uh, this episode. Um, But he's not yet on the uh, intro credits. So I don't know. Is he back? I feel like this is one of those things we should have been. We should have demanded more specifics from yeah, Michael. So he, a, he said he, he isn't leaving the show. He would have obliged and make it, made it very specific. Yeah. And he's, Are you kidding me? <laughs> he isn't leaving the show. He's not on the, but like he's not a regular. He's not on the He's not credits. a regular anymore. Yeah, um, he's considered a guest But he's on star. the show. So <laughs> Has he left the show? Has he not left the show? <sighs> <laughs> I mean, wait till Travis gets back here and then yeah, see I think we says. should. I, well, I think Travis is purposely leaving during the segment that makes him angry. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, that's likely. Uh, I fine. We can give it to him. Like okay, fine. Giles is back. <laughs> the Giles is back. Giles technically uh, is back. Well, we um, are going to give you this. Uh, you did say you could uh, keep it open in the past and last episode. Giles will return in season six, episode four. Giles did return in season six, episode four. That clearly happened. So that's confirmed. Mm-hmm. Uh. And I guess the question is, is Giles still leaving the show since he's not a series regular anymore? I mean, he, yeah. Not only is he off the title cards, I mean, I'd say he's not likely to be put back on the title cards. Yeah. Um, He doesn't have his own place in Sunnydale. Yeah. I guess this is all true. I mean, I don't know what to say. Well, but, what is, I guess, what is leaving the show? What is leaving the show? Oh, if my gosh. If this guessed, is such semantic, I mean, argument that, of course, you could have predicted. Instead, you chose this moment to make this an issue. So, like, yeah, defining it, it's what... It's not the right moment to make this an issue. I agree. But just, like, <laughs> if you think about it, okay. All right, does, you know what we should do? We should go back to season six, episode one, and watch what Mike said and why he said it. I don't want to do that. Well, no, I just, uh, Giles was, Giles left. He's coming back. He came back. Like he's back on the show. Uh, now you're saying he's no longer a series regular, that he's not going to be in every episode and he's off the title cards. Well, I think he's going to be in more episodes of season six. Now, <laughs> if you define series regular as someone that appears in the title credits, I'm not sure about that. But sometimes Jonathan is in the title credits. But like, so like, I think that that's a very tricky place to define series regular because Jonathan, I would say, is not a series regular and he is a special guest. So, <laughs> um, can, can you are you allowed to change predictions after they've been made? No. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, I, I agree. Because <laughs> I like it sounds like the sentiment of the prediction should just be Giles will be on the show. As it yeah, Giles hasn't left the show. He will still be on the show. All right. So it sounds like you're maybe voting, just not at regular intervals. Like, uh, that's to that, confirm, Mike. Or just maybe I don't know. You, you got it's. Man, I'm, the, I'm just going to the series finale it. to address all, right, all, all right. the open. The only predictions way, only reason you're doing this because you know you can win the point because you know that later, like he's not going to come back in the title cards and that his uh, place in the show is not as big as it once was. So you guys know that, and so that's like how you think you can get the point. But you know he's going to be on enough episodes that will be an ongoing stupid battle. All right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's just confirm it. So let's that it confirm isn't. it. So uh, that this it is, is not an ongoing stupid battle. Okay, so I believe I that's mean, uh, let's uh, not faith is a monster. Let's not let friendships be ruined over this. 
Faith one. is a monster. Is Giles back on the show? <laughs> no one knows. I mean, he was in this episode, but is he on the show really? I mean, existentially. He's here, but is he really present? Oh I don't feel like he's... Uh... Uh, Travis, you this came is back a, just a in reparations time. point. Uh, okay, yes. No, we, uh, we, we, we've moved on without you. Um, so uh, <laughs> your new overall accuracy is moved up to a 61.75, whereas uh, your accuracy for this season is now at a 70.59, moving in the right direction, moving up. So uh, you didn't have any outstanding like uh, Warren predictions or anything? Uh, I could try to find them, but I don't believe so. No predictions dealing with Warren ever <laughs> been made. As as I, I did know. not believe Warren would be back on the show. This is all a surprise. surprise. <laughs> Cabal. We we held it. We we didn't tell you. You should lose points for that. <laughs> for not guessing that yeah. this crew would form into a nerd squad. Um, I'm, oh, what are they called together? Are they a group? I'll just call them Jonathan Company, or what do you call them? I don't know. Maybe okay. you could predict what their name will be. I don't. I don't want to play that game. That's unwinnable. <laughs> But I'm going to call them Jonathan and Company because I have predictions about Jonathan and Company because clearly they're going to be around for a few episodes, which will be delightful. Um, Jonathan and Company will attempt hypnosis on Buffy. That's my first prediction. Is there any confusion about what attempting hypnosis is? I mean, if it succeeds, that's still an attempt. Okay. Right. They will. <laughs> but I don't want to say they hypnotize. <laughs> Uh, just hypnosis seemed like a funny thing to try and do. And if it fails instantly, which I hope it does, that'll be a blast. Um, I think Buffy is in desperate need of this cash they got. So Buffy is going to get Jonathan and company's cash. Duh. That's like such an obvious setup. If they discuss a pile of cash in a show where someone is overwhelmed with debt, that cash has to come in their position. There's no way. Possession. Um, Buffy, however, will give Jonathan company's cash back to the bank. Wrongs will be righted. There's just no way. She can actually use the cash. Uh, and then there is no debt forgiveness spell. This is just, I just want to put that out there. No debt forgiveness spells. They don't exist. Because otherwise we would have dealt with them. But it seems like such an obvious thing to use. And then I believe Giles will forgive Willow for reviving Buffy in season six. He will say, Willow, I'm sorry. Something, some, some effect that she is forgiven for reviving Buffy. And Willow will say, get out and never come back. Right, Travis? Isn't that what she'll say? <laughs> I don't know. Is like, one of these I don't accept your apology. Do you have questions about what forgiveness is? <laughs> no, what it means I, to forgive I someone? It. I get it. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm genuinely asking here. I uh, predict that we will uh, get into a discussion about whether or not Giles has forgiven her at a certain point. Unless he says, like, I forgive thee. Okay, uh, but but I don't think there's anything you can do to to make that more clear. Oh, good. <laughs> I think we're just sounds like there is bound for an argument. Okay, great. Future <laughs> argument. Do Mike, Giles do you have a a prediction about Giles's maybe friend that was mentioned in this episode? Oh, in Bath, yeah. Uh, Giles doesn't have any friends. We're not. <laughs> any do you have a super prediction? Oh, shoot. Um, yeah, we'll never meet uh, Giles' friend in, um, in Bath. Super. We'll never, we will never meet another friend of Giles. Mm. We never meet Giles' friend in Bath. Giles has no friends. Giles doesn't take baths. Giles has no friends. Hmm. Lots of smiles there, so that one's mess messed up or wrong or confusing. 
<laughs> don't know what you're talking about. Maybe we're just happy people. I don't know. Doubt it. <laughs> Doubt, All right. it. Doubt it. <laughs> um, Michael, I see you've uh, kind of promoted some stuff recently on YouTube. Oh, sure. Yeah, well, I've just produced a few different videos. Um, one of which is public, which is exciting because sometimes you produce videos for companies and like it's not really like something to promote, but did some work with this company, Algo, which is like a Yelp-like app for people of size. And one of these videos about chair awareness, which sounds like an absurd topic unless you're of size, in which case uh, chairs with arms hurt people. So this is a short video we did. It was like a research-oriented uh, video uh, talking with a group of people, um, you know, all people of size with different experiences, like with furniture, like whether they buy furniture for uh, hotels, offices, et cetera. And we kind of went and tested a bunch of chairs and got feedback from people of size about how you would select chairs. And it's not like, you know, the most amazing, um, you know, video in some ways, but it's like, it's such a simple topic. And often we choose chairs when we purchase office furniture or furniture for restaurants based on aesthetic choices and not on the people that will sit in them. And if 30% of chairs were, didn't have arms, literally people of size could go there. <laughs> uh, 95% of people with size have anxiety before they go to new places uh, based on furniture. <laughs> also judgment of other people, but like furniture choices uh, is one of the big source of anxiety. So uh, that's the video that I produced uh, that I've been tweeting about. And then I broke my drone and that's another video. <laughs> I just made. Although I noticed a, a drone shot in uh, the chair video that I was like, oh, oh I that, know the background of that shot. <laughs> right. You know that I owned a drone uh, until last week. Oh, <laughs> It's getting repaired on Monday. So, you know, I've got my meeting with the Best Buy Geek Squad. Is Warren working on it or? <laughs> Unfortunately, no, it's Andrew. No. <laughs> There's a high chance that the person at Best Buy will have never heard of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Ooh, let's do a bet on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's There's a, a super, super prediction, prediction yeah. if I ever heard Warren. Bring out Buffy. <laughs> Mention Warren. Oh, they'll say Buffy. Oh, is that an animated show? Yeah, that's what I expect. All right. I, I, IRL want this to happen so we can bet on this. Okay, sure. Then I'll ask. Uh, this is tomorrow night, 820. You have until 820 tomorrow night to put in your bets whether or not the uh, clerk at Best Buy is aware of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I feel like we're all betting the same, but yeah. except for Michael. We bet he is. Or she, they. We bet they are. All right. I'm betting against. All right. I like these odds. Okay, uh, Yoder, what are you doing these days? Where can people find your stuff? I don't know. I'm not putting much out there, but uh, it's a pleasure to be on your show, reading some comic books. Uh, I tweet occasionally. Awesome Yoder on the Twitter. You've been promoting Jonathan.com this whole episode. Uh, yeah, well, that's uh, that site's kind of in flux right now, but, you know, get it up and running soon here. Just got to work on some spells. Awesome. Um, and folks can find me at uh, Dennis Comics. That's D-E-N-I-S-C-O-M-I-X. That is my Twitter, my Instagram, and my .com. Uh, and thank you one and all for visiting, listening, I mean, and talking to us at Buffy Virgin. Uh, don't forget, please rate, review, subscribe, give us a like, give us a tickle. Um, you can watch us on YouTube. Our Twitter is at Buffy Virgin Pod. Our Instagram is at Buffy Virgin. Uh, for monster drawings and probably photos from 
of the anti-pope or whatever the <laughs> antichrist i'll post that picture sorry uh, <laughs> uh sorry anti-pope is from the new sabrina show <laughs> sorry i got mixed up all right uh thank you for reaching out we love to hear from you and we'll see you in hell oh!